Welcome to Mama Mystery. I am your host, Kelly. I am your co-host, Austin. And today, we've got a wild one for you. A wild thing. I mean, aren't they always wild? Yep. So, before we get into today's case, I want to talk about a story that caught my eye this morning. It has nothing to do with the case we're talking about today. It was just something I saw, and uh, I just wanted to talk about it. Let's hear it. So, um, I know we have a lot of parents that listen to our show, specifically moms. So, I know this will particularly resonate with you, but um, I came across this story about a little seven-year-old girl in Michigan named Journey Hoffmeyer who came home from school with one side of her hair completely cut off. This girl, who is biracial, had beautiful, like, honey blonde curls with these, like, natural lowlights. I mean, people pay big money for this type of color and curl. Her hair was stunning. Um, I'll even put a picture of it on Instagram if you want to see it. But anyway, she comes home from school, and one side of it is completely gone, cut like an inch from her scalp. So her dad asked her what happened, and Journey told him that another student cut her hair while they were on the bus. So he took her to a salon where they fixed or tried to fix her hair by giving her an asymmetrical cut. But the next day, when she came home from school, the long side was completely cut off as well. Oh, I'd be pissed. So this girl went from having these long, luscious locks to now having like one inch of hair all over her head. But this time she said that a teacher cut it for her. So at this point, Journey's crying because she's afraid she's going to get in trouble for cutting her hair. So the dad calls the school to get some answers. They won't answer him. They won't respond to him. They said, somebody that that he spoke with said that the principal would call him back after spring break. Um, Finally, a superintendent offered to send Journey a personalized apology by mail, like super insincere. Be great if it was the 60s. (laughs) Maybe. So finally, it comes out that when Journey went to school after getting her hair fixed at the salon, she asked um, a librarian to fix it for her. So the librarian cut it all off. And apparently this librarian was also a licensed cosmetologist. And Journey's teacher even knew about this plan to cut Journey's hair, but nobody ever thought to reach out to the parents and ask for permission. That is so out of line. How did you hear about this? It was on my Yahoo homepage. I'd be ticked. I would be so pissed. So since the incident, the parents are pursuing legal action and have tra- have transferred Journey to a different school, one that she attended before the school district adjusted their boundary lines. But man, that, I mean, if Kennedy came home with her hair cut so short, I would be just absolutely livid. Mm-hmm. For yeah. real. That's so, interesting. Anyway, it was just one of those cases where I was like, man, people just don't think. Nobody, nobody was thinking. Lights were on, but nobody was home. I was just going to say that. Really? Yeah. Lights are on, but nobody's home. Okay. So anyway, without further ado, we'll get into today's actual story, which is about Valerie McDaniel and Leon Jacob. And if you hear a little breathing in the background, that would be our dog, Hank. (laughs) Run it. He's a sweetheart. Anyway. Okay. So Valerie McDaniel, we're going to start with her. She was a native to Houston, Texas. Um, That is where she grew up. I think I read that her dad was a counselor, and uh, they were like a very well-to-do family. She went to the University of St. Thomas 
and studied veterinary medicine at Texas A&M, where she graduated in 1997. Smart girl. Same year she married her husband. His name was Marion Mac McDaniel. And um, she kept these audio diaries on her iPad. And she described in an audio diary their perfect fairy tale wedding, how they moved into a house that Valerie's parents bought them as a gift. And Valerie... Um, she made a ton of these recordings. There's tons of them. You can find her just talking to a camera or a recorder about her life. Um, and this will come back into play later. But in 2000, she and her husband opened the Montrose Veterinary Clinic. Mac, her husband, was the office manager and Valerie was the vet. And the clinic really thrived and was super successful. So successful that they bought this beautiful home in River Oaks, which is a super affluent area in Houston. Um, they also had a $700,000 beach home that she frequently hosted her friends at. And she loved to cook, loved to read and entertain. There's lots of videos of them boating at this beach house and just having a good time. She seemed like she was just very lighthearted, a joy to be around, really loved her friends. Like Sounds like they had, I mean, not much, no financial stress. No. Had it pretty good. Yeah, yeah. They were very successful. In 2008, Valerie and her husband, Mac, adopted a daughter since Valerie couldn't have kids. And it really seemed like her life was just going perfectly according to the plan. That is until she got a phone call from a woman she didn't know claiming that Mac was having affairs with multiple women. Mm. So in one of her many audio diaries, she said that this person who called her gave her lists of women that he had slept with. So she confronted him. She ultimately forgave him. But then he was Forgave caught. him like so it did happen? Yes. And Yikes. then um, he was caught cheating again. So in December of 2014, Valerie filed for divorce after 17 years of marriage. Her friends said that she was completely devastated and just miserable. All it would take was a text or a phone call from her ex to send Valerie into tears. It broke her friend's hearts to see her in so much pain over her divorce and the way that her ex would treat her. Like he would threaten to keep their daughter from her and he would just say things that like he knew would hurt. Pretty you know? vicious. Just hit her where it hurt. Um, and then Leon Jacob came into her life. So Leon Jacob, the other person in this story... Um, in 2005, Leon graduated from medical school on the Caribbean island of, I hope I say this right, Granada, Granada, Grenada. Granada. I'm one out of three. It's all right. You got to be Good right. Job, After the Lajala incident, I think I've. Hey, just... I might be, be wrong. I think Granada makes the most sense, though, and I don't really care if I'm wrong, so. <laughs> Sounds That's good. That's the kind of attitude I need. Um, anyway. Afterwards, he had surgical training in a series of residency programs at various hospitals, but he never actually received a medical license, which we will get into in just a second. So Leon married his college sweetheart, Annie Jacob, and their relationship was full of drama. He described it as being like, love, 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 hate, 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 love, 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 hate, hate, hate. So it was very tumultuous. But they did end up having two sons together. And then after 11 years of marriage, Annie Jacob filed for divorce in 2013. And Annie also pressed charges against him for aggravated stalking and intimidation. 
Court documents say he made numerous calls, sent texts, emails, threatening to inflict bodily harm. In fact, in one of them, he threatened, I heard the recording, in one of them, he said he was threatening to harm her parents right in front of her and called her a bunch of names. I mean, it was vicious. But Jacob said it was blown way out of, or I'm sorry, Leon said it was blown way out of proportion. He said he just wanted to contact his sons, and he won't apologize for that. The only reason he ever called her multiple times was to talk to his sons. Man. So he's, he's just completely, like, in denial. Um, and he said it was never about Annie. It was only about his sons, and that Annie was trying to keep his boys away from him. But in a move that seemed to contrast his image as a doting father, he chose to move away from Annie and the boys and head to Pittsburgh for yet another residency. While he was working there, he met a woman named Megan Veracas, and she was a general manager at the hotel where he was staying. Their relationship their relationship blossomed really quickly, and before long, they moved to Houston together so that he could start yet another residency there. This would be his seventh residency. Define residency for me. Residency is like the training you go through after you've graduated from college, but you have to go through residency before you can become like an actual doctor. Okay, that's what I thought. So it was reported that the reason he got removed from these multiple residences residencies was because he had a terrible attitude. He acted very cocky, very arrogant, like he was the smartest one there. He disrespected his colleagues and teachers and even put patients at risk. He was even known to be rude to patients. One hospital claimed that he would actually be a liability to keep around. But of course, he denies this, claiming that he was only ever transferred because he moved out of state each time. So he has like no accountability whatsoever. Sounds like like almost like a person who faked their college in their skippy. I don't know. It's like Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. That movie. Like there's a reason you're not finishing each one because there's something more. Right. But rather than like look into yourself and figure out what the common denominator is, which is you, mm-hmm. you just blame everyone else for your problems. Yeah. Weird. So anyway, uh, Leon and Megan were together for about three years when she started getting really tired of his antics. Their arguments grew to be more violent with her alleging that he was verbally abusive to her, that he hit her, that he would hold his hand over her mouth. So she filed charges in February of 2017. And this did not look good for Leon. If he had to testify against these charges and then be found guilty of a felony, he would never be able to practice medicine. Which is funny. I think you should worry about like finishing one of your many residencies before you worry about these charges. I don't know. It's just too much. Too much going on. But um, anyway, he had to think of a way to silence Megan. And that was when he met a man named Taz. So Moataz Aze, I probably mispronounced that, was a decorated former U.S. Army soldier who was introduced to Leon through a mutual friend. And one day, Leon came to Taz asking for a huge favor. He wanted Taz to kidnap Megan and talk her into forgiving Leon and taking him back. And if that didn't work, he wanted Taz to talk her into leaving town, basically intimidating her to leave town. And then if that didn't work, he wanted Taz to kill her. He even offered Taz suggestions like using a syringe filled with 
potassium uh, to induce a heart attack. Like these are, he offered these suggestions that only a medical professional would probably know. Taz said that Leon paid him $9,000 for this, which Taz accepted. And then Taz totally ghosted Leon. He spent the money. He never came close to even contacting Megan. And he just considered it like a heroic act that he was saving her life by not following through with Leon's plan, but taking his money. And it's pretty hard for him to go to the police and say, I gave him this money to kill her. Yeah, and he didn't complete the job. Yeah, so... Yeah, so... Deserved to get scammed. Yeah, so eventually Leon meets Valerie McDaniel, and it was through Valerie's neighbor, who was a divorce attorney with a son, who... um, who she thought Valerie really might like. So this neighbor played matchmaker and uh, hooked them up. So initially, Valerie said that she was completely turned off by him and his attitude. And she said that she was drawn to him, but disgusted at the same time. She said that he knew how beautiful he was and came off as very arrogant, but she was very lonely and vulnerable. So she just gave in to him. I don't think she wanted to be lonely anymore. Leon once said in a TV interview, quote, without sounding pompous, I've always understood women really well, and they've always liked me, end quote. Goodness sakes. Very confident. Very confident. And if you look him up, he's not a bad looking dude in his older pictures. If you look up, look up more recent pictures, he kind of looks like, I don't know, he looks like a farm animal, but I couldn't like pin my... Like, put my finger on it. I'm like, maybe he looks like a llama, kind of. Like, I don't know. He's got this weird, like, weaselly face. And Such I can't... an interesting way to describe his look. Look him up. It's, his name is Leon Jacob. Okay. But he used to be a really good-looking guy, but I, I guess he became really arrogant, knowing that he had good looks. He came from a very affluent family, went to the best private schools, spent a lot of his vacations playing tennis and skiing and doing all these, like, you know, fancy stuff. Fancy shit. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't see the llama, but he got a nice full head of hair. Yeah, he's got nice curly hair, I guess. But I mean, back in the day, he was cute. I can't think of like who he looks like back in the day. But obviously, this will be on our Instagram page, Mama Dot Mystery. But um, like after all of this stuff went down, I'm like having a really hard time finding the um, attraction. But anyway. Jacob moved into Valerie's condo, and the two began living together in early 2017. But when Mac found out that Leon was staying with her, he threw a big fit because it went against their custody agreement, but he also knew about Leon's criminal history with his past girlfriends. So it really bothered him that he was staying where his daughter was staying. And maybe there was a little bit in there, too, of, you know, just contentious breakups, but I do think that Mac had a reasonable re- like reason to be To concerned. be upset, for sure. Yeah. So as time went on, Valerie really began to fall for Leon's manipulative ways. And it didn't take long for Leon um, to officially move into her condo. And their relationship was one of those like whirlwind types of relationships. Seems like those are really the only types that he has. But... They spent every moment together, opened up a joint bank account. They openly talked about getting married. Her coworker said that they seemed to be very much in love and that Valerie seemed really happy with Leon. But um, in true like Leon fashion, he kind of began isolating her from a lot of her friends and family, just kind of, you know, keeping her around all the time. Her friends 
almost instantly got a really bad feeling about Leon and they just really didn't care for how cocky he was. It rubbed a lot of them the wrong way, which I can totally understand that. And they were right. After Taz ghosted Leon, Leon actually went to a bail bondsman in Houston named Michael Kabosh to try to find him. He confided in this bail bondsman that he had paid Taz a lot of money to take care of something and admitted that he needed this girl out of the picture. So Michael, familiar with all kinds of people working as a bail bondsman, actually called the chief of police in Houston because he just got this bad feeling about what this guy was after. Smart Obviously dude a good job. Yeah. To call. Cause I feel like so many cases we listen to, it's like somebody could have prevented everything from happening. And obviously this guy probably didn't, but at least he tried. Yeah. Yeah. So they began looking for Taz and it took police about a week to find him because Taz originally told Leon that his name was Zach, probably to protect his real identity. But all along Leon thought he was looking for a guy named Zach and his name was actually Taz. So once they found him, They teamed up with him and an undercover detective to create a sting operation. They wanted to catch Leon in the act of soliciting a murder. So they have Taz call Leon to reconnect, and Taz tells Leon that if he's still interested in getting the job done, he has another guy that he recommends to do it, which I think is... I mean, like, you're this really smart guy who has gone through medical school, and at no point do your, like, red flags go up to think this guy stole my money and ghosted me, and now he's calling me out of nowhere to recommend a different guy to get the job done. Like, this I, is I get where you're coming from, but he's so, he's so in his own world. Mm-hmm. I'm Mr. Hot Shit. I need this chick out of my life. I want to move on. Everybody wants me. He probably just thought, I'll just tell her. I'll just tell him. I'll just tell him. Yeah, oh, you got another, another guy's guy fine. That can do it for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Give me Kenton's number. Yeah, it's like that. That uh, I, we talked about it. I don't remember what episode it was, but remember when there was like a, a website that was like hireahitman.com? Yeah, and people and would actually fill out these forms and like it w- didn't it go straight to the police? Yeah, yeah. So then these people were getting arrested for like soliciting That's to crazy. get somebody to come murder. The you know so what it reminds stupid. me of too. Uh, I don't interve- interject much into this show, so here's my interjection. And if you if you don't think it's funny, then I'm sorry. Um, the, what is the horrible bosses? Mm-hmm. Motherfucker Jones. Yeah. And he goes, how much is it going to be, motherfucker? And he says, it's going to be 30 large because they're trying to get them to kill their bosses. And he goes, it's going to be 30 large, like 30 grand. And they go, 30 large, motherfucker, we don't have 30 large. And then he goes, all right, calm down. It's going to be five large. <laughs> That's one of my favorite like scenes ever. I think it's hilarious. It is. So funny. Crazy that this actually happens. Like, gosh, like it's mind blowing that it actually happens. Yeah, because this is a very true story. Mm -hmm. So during the phone call um, between Leon and Taz, Leon agrees to meet with him and says, quote, we're taking care of both problems. And Taz says, what problems? And Leon says, quote, both of the individuals we are talking about. Valerie wants to talk to you about what she wants done with her ex-husband, end quote. So they agree to meet up the following day at an olive garden for lunch. And at this lunch over unlimited breadsticks and salad, the entire conversation is being secretly recorded. And Leon tells this undercover cop posing to be a hitman that he doesn't want Megan to hurt, but he wants her to go. And Leon suggested that he run Megan off But then if those options don't work, I don't give a fuck. Then you got to do what you got to do. I need her gone. 
Those are his exact words. Oh my gosh. Then the conversation turns to Valerie and what she would like to order off the menu, the Hitman menu. She says, quote, let's say something were to happen to him. Like, what would it be? A car wreck or... And he said he could do a car wreck or a robbery gone wrong. And ultimately, they agree that the undercover cop will attempt to carjack him and shoot him in the head. So it'll be like a carjacking gone this wrong. This is just freaking sick to think that people have real conversations with this, somebody like this. Yeah, that you like go you, that far. Oh, my goodness. It's yeah. insanity. So he confirms that that's what she wants to do, and she says, well, what other option do I have? He's going to take my daughter. This is bonkers. Yeah. So the next day was March 9th, 2017, and this undercover cop came to Leon and Valerie's home to inform them that the job was done. He even offered to show them pictures, pictures that Megan and Mac both posed for. Megan was tied up with duct tape around her mouth. Mac was laying on the ground with what appeared to be blood from a gunshot wound, but was actually pig's blood on his head, all staged to make it look legit. Megan and Mac were both in on this sting operation, obviously. Can you imagine that? Finding out, hey, your ex is going to have you killed. And so we're going to, you get get up like you're killed, get dressed in a get up and lay on the floor. And we're going to take pictures and then we're going to go show them to them. They're going to be happy and then we're going to arrest them. Yeah. If I was the one that was wanting to be killed, it's traumatic. But at at the same time, it'd be like, okay, I'm definitely, I'm in. Yeah. Go go get them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Do what I'll do what I need to do to save my own life. Yeah. Yeah. So later that night, that same night, it's about two or three in the morning when Valerie and Leon get a knock on their door and it's Sergeant Frank Quinn. And he's there to deliver the news to Valerie that her husband was identified in a fatal carjacking. She acts all upset, shocked, puts her head in her hands and she's surprised. All acting. All acting. Because at this point they don't know. Mm-hmm. Obviously they, they never knew. All right. Um, but she's acting all surprised that her husband is dead and the entire thing is caught on body cam footage. So it's on YouTube if you want to watch it. Uh, Leon, I bet that's kind of entertaining in a sick way. Yeah. Leon is sitting behind her on this chair, like rubbing her back and trying to console her when he tells police, quote, we've been here all day with their daughter. We've been watching movies. We haven't left the house all day. End quote. Oh gosh. Okay. I'm like, say I, less. Oh, I, hey, I believe you. Okay, we get it. You had nothing to do with this. You're clearly innocent. Shut up. So then Sergeant Quinn says, well, right now we're going to read you your rights because you're both being arrested for solicitation of capital murder. Boom. Mic drop. That's crazy. They are stunned and confused as they're being let out. And Valerie is concerned because her daughter is asleep in the other room. But they let her know that Mac is actually alive and well and right outside the door to take his daughter with him. Oh, my gosh. Can you freaking imagine that? Like That's nuts. First of all, I, 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 wrapping my head around this, I'm like, how could you do that to your daughter? Like, plan to have her own dad killed. That is so low and terrible. Mm-hmm. And then, not, like, let alone the fact that having, you know, someone else kill another person is awful. But, like... You're killing your daughter's dad. That is so sad. That's nuts. So sad. So after their arraignment, Leon had to stay in jail because of his other pending charges with Megan. But Valerie was able to post bail and go home. 
And her colleague, Dr. Brittany King, visited her, tried to support her through all of it, like knowing that she was devastated because obviously her license got suspended. And so the idea that she wouldn't be seeing her daughter for a really long time paired with the fact that she might lose her her vet license, like it's a lot. I mean, I'm sure that Well, was you're also probably going to go to prison. Well, isn't that too? Yeah, like everything's falling Who gives apart. her shit about the vet license? Right, I'm just saying, though, I get what like, you're saying, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just your whole world is falling apart. Yeah. So while she was at home, she t- turned to her iPad to record one of those audio video diaries, um, like one of her entries. And in, in this entry, she spent about two hours detailing her whole life and what led up to this point. And she said she didn't just wake up one day and want to kill her husband, that it was a slow progression and everything she loved was just slipping through her fingers. And it, like I said, it was just falling apart. So two days after that final recording, Valerie jumped from the balcony of her seventh-story apartment. Gosh, what a whirlwind of emotions this one was. Mm-hmm. Her death was a huge shock to her friends and family. Oh, my gosh. Valerie was always known as a very compassionate, sweet, generous person, a great mother, This behavior was so out of character for Valerie, and then just her loss was a huge devastation to them. But while those who knew her were mourning, Leon was calculating. He saw an opportunity and blamed the entire conspiracy to commit murder on Valerie. His lawyer argued that she was the mastermind calling all the shots, Leon hired one of the top defense attorneys in Texas, George Parnum, who said, quote, I am sorry for her demise, but I believe that Valerie is and was responsible for this entire scenario. Even though we have you both on video talking. Yes. Yes. And we have Leon reaching out to Taz in the first place, giving him $9,000 and then going to this bails bondman trying to find him. Like, I hate whenever these scumbags blame the dead people. Yes. Like here a while back, that one guy blaming his brother who was dead. Yes, Kyler Yust, who was just um, found guilty. Yes, we discussed it in episode 23. Same thing. His brother killed himself in jail. So then at his own trial, he blamed these girls' murderers on his freaking brother. Like, what a disgrace. Mm-hmm. You have no conscience. Yeah. Clearly, you've proven not to have a conscience this entire time. But, like, to go as far as to blame a dead person, a dead family member, a dead ex... On your actions. That's fucking sick. Excuse my language. That's gross. It's pretty hardcore. So anyway, the thing is, what motive would Valerie have to want Megan dead also? It was very clear that Leon was the one with the motive. He needed Megan to be gone because she risked his chance at practicing medicine. And he needed Mac to be gone Because he was the one thing standing in the way of his and Valerie's relationship. And if Valerie had to choose between her daughter and being with Leon, she was clearly going to choose her daughter. Um, And also, I'm not trying to say that she didn't play a part in her own actions. Obviously, she sought out to have something happen to him. She had these conversations. She spoke those words. But would Valerie ever have gone as far as she did to meet with a hitman if Leon didn't introduce her to the idea or the hitman himself? My opinion is probably not. And I'm not saying that, please don't misconstrue it, to, to say that like she's her actions are excused. I just think that, you know, Leon has proven 
time and time again to be a manipulative narcissist. And maybe he kind of pushed a vulnerable Valerie in that direction because she never displayed this type of behavior before she met Leon. So it's just, it's disappointing. She did what she did and she deserved to spend time for it, but it's unfortunate that she took her own life before. It's unfortunate she took her own life. My opinion, it was just clearly both of them all along. Mm-hmm. And so oh, it definitely to pin was. one more than the other or even try to find a reason, I think is useless. It's a moot point. Amen. It's like a cow's opinion. It doesn't matter. Amen. Oh my gosh. On that note. (laughs) So during the trial, DA Samantha Necht was drilling Leon on the stand, tearing apart his defense that he never said he wanted anyone hurt, killed, harmed, etc. That it was Valerie's plan all along. She said, quote, did you not want anybody hurt when you said inject her with potassium chloride, stop her heart, untraceable, end quote. He said... Quote, I said that was something you could do. I didn't say for him to do that. <laughs> End quote. I'm mean, arguing with my son. You know right the ringer? Like, Have you ever seen the ringer? Yes. Could you pass me the ketchup? Can you? I asked you if they could pass the ketchup, not if you would. Ah! <laughs> yeah. You asked me, like, it's like, what? Exactly. Are you freaking moron? That's your argument? Yeah, I didn't say for him to do that. I said he could. It was just an option. Mm hmm. So she said, quote, did you recall telling the undercover officer if those options don't work, I don't give a fuck, then you got to do what you got to do because my survival is more important, end quote. And he said, yes. So the jury only took an hour and 15 minutes to deliberate, which is like record timing, and return a verdict of guilty of solicitation of capital murder. He was actually found guilty on both counts, conspiring, conspiring, to have Megan and Mac killed, and he was sentenced to life in prison and will be eligible for parole in 2047 at 69 years old. Big yikes. So after the guilty verdict, Megan took the stand to deliver her victim impact statement, speaking to um, Jacob direct, or sorry, Leon directly. And I just thought it was too good not to add. She said, quote, you manipulated me to leave my family and the life I had. I believe everything happens for a reason. While you sit in jail, I hope you think of me, a girl you called poor and uneducated. It's because of me you will be in prison for life. You will never see your children grow up. Grow up. You will not be a part of their lives. And they will be better for it. End quote. That's a, like... Yeah, girl. As, as yes, girl. badass as you can get right there. Claps. Snaps. I don't know what snaps actually means. I think it's like claps. That's as badass <laughs> as you can get right there. <laughs> and meanwhile, Leon has given numerous TV interviews and at one point has had the audacity to say, quote, I want Bradley Cooper to play me in the TV movie. The arrogance is strong with this one. Oh, joke. And with that... We end today's episode. Do with it what you will. Thank you <laughs> for listening. Life. Thank you for listening. Like, share, comment, do all the things. If you Give us a it. review. You know what? If you haven't given us a positive review, we really appreciate yeah. it. Mama Mystery out. Bye.